Hello, welcome to Bridge Track by Track. Uh, I'm your host, Darren, and today we're going to be talking about the screams of passion from the family by the family. Uh, recorded uh, the 14th of August, 1984, at the Flying Cloud Warehouse uh, in Eden Prairie, Minnesota. And then uh, that was the basic track that Prince did, where he had the guide vocal. Uh, and then, of course, uh, later on in 1984 and only 85, uh, there were overdubs by uh, St. Paul and uh, Susanna. And then, um, you know, uh, the very first contribution ever by Claire Fisher was then added in uh, early 85 before it was released as a single on the 19th of July, 1985. Three days before my birthday that year. Uh, on the track, we have Prince, St. Paul, uh, Susanna and Claire Fisher. Uh, the track is 5 minutes 26, and joining me to talk about today is Alec Reyna. Hello, Alec. Hello. Good to be here. Of course, uh, the family have, like, this, uh, you know, the, the main thing that people know the family for is the fact that they did the original version of Nothing Compares to You, and then that became a hit five years later. You know, the family, as a group, you know, as they were originally formed, uh, they did this one album, and that was it. Um, and then they, you know, then they kind of broke up. Uh, I think Jerome was, uh, well, the next year, well, actually, I think late 85 was in, you know, France with Prince, uh, you know, doing Under the Cherry Moon. Yeah. Uh, you know, St. Paul Peterson, I think, had some disagreements with Prince over the direction of the band. Um, yes. You know, Jerome Benton, I think he left to go back to do some touring with the time in between this and, uh, you know, Graffiti Bridge. Yeah. And, and um, uh, of Jerome Benson also was a part of the 1986 tours with Prince, like a few of the, the members of the family were after the family disbanded. Um, Jerome, yeah. um, Eric and Leeds. Michael. Yeah, Michael. Yeah, um, and Michael. Yeah, the, the three of them kind of joined it. And obviously Susanna, uh, you know, contributed stuff to, uh, you know, some of the, what ended up being Sign of the Times, you know, what was going to be the Dream Factory. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she's on the title track for uh, Crystal Ball. Uh, towards the end, uh, she do, she does like a baby voice, um, yeah. And this is the first time that Prince had ever collaborated with Claire Fisher. Um, you know, I, I don't know how they got hooked up, but you know, th- this is the first time. And I, th- the one thing I will say about this song that I really love uh, is th- is that little kind of string arrangement. Like the way Prince incorporates it into the song, it feels like it's a string sample on a keyboard. Uh, like the way that the strings move, um, you know, like the, the the kind of they're playing like chords basically. Um, that's that's kind of like the arrangement. There's no kind of like individual string lines or pizzicato or anything like that. It's just these sweeping chords, and it feels very much like Prince playing a keyboard and the string arrangement following like the chords on a keyboard. Um, and that is kind of the style that Claire Fisher, you know, used with a lot of Prince songs is, you know, he would write these kind of sweeping chord parts that would go underneath most of the stuff that, uh, that Prince did. Um, and I don't know, I think that kind of the relationship between the two of them kind of lasted, uh, I think all the way up until like Claire Fisher's death, like a, a couple of years before Claire Fisher's death was like the last time that they collaborated together. Um, and I don't know, I think it, it's it's one of my favourite things about 80s Prince is once he starts using Claire Fisher, like I feel like it just really takes his, you know, once he's got Claire Fisher and he's got Eric and Atlanta, I feel like those two things kind of take, you know, when you've got something like Slow Love, 
and there's like string arrangements and horn parts and like that song kind of comes alive with with the extra bits and you know it's not just Prince's vocal or you know the band that was with him it's it's those extra kind of adornments that Prince himself you know couldn't do he uh, yeah. yeah he couldn't play violin or anything and he couldn't play any horns so uh you know it's just him relying on people uh basically yeah, yeah so you know it was um really really cool really gave it a new like pressure like life on all that and um, it really um, goes to show him just trying to push his own boundaries on top of that. Um, especially a musician is kind of notorious for taking, um, for being like the sole contributor to a lot of stuff. And him still deciding not to kind of typecast himself and letting um, new colors for him to be like playing with in his palette. So it was a really cool time when he looked, hooked up with Claire Fisher, looked up with um linked up with Eric Leeds, Miko and um all those people. Obviously also St. Paul Peterson had been I think just a touring keyboardist with um you know with the uh with the time uh before he was the the kind of the lead singer of the family. Um you know, I don't think he'd actually the kind of three time albums that came out before the family uh was released. I don't think he was actually, you know, he was on uh I don't think he was on any of those apart from he was on one track on Ice Cream Castle, which was The Bird. I think he was the keyboardist on that. Yeah, and that was the live track anyways on yeah. that album. That was, I think, the only live track on that album. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's only because uh, that appears in Purple Rain, and obviously he was he was in Purple Rain because he was part of Prince's touring crew at that time, basically. Um, you know, as like a, basically kind of like a backup keyboardist for um you know the time and also you know occasionally uh you know the revolution um and you know susanna obviously uh you know the the twin sister of uh i'm i'm gonna get it wrong if i guess <laughs> wendy it's wendy yeah, yeah. of course uh the, the twin the twin sister of wendy and uh for a period of time obviously prince's girlfriend really well you know very well known um you know at this particular point um even at the time, I remember, you know, like there's a there's a few songs that she sang background vocals and stuff for on, uh, you know, that turned up on uh, on Son of the Times, and I remember reading like the the kind of the the credits and seeing her name and being like, well, the fact that she has like a H at the end was kind of unusual. Like most most times when you see Susanna spelled, you don't see a H at the end, <laughs> um, and so that it was just kind of unusual. It's like Susan but with an N A H at the end. Um, and I, I don't know, like it, it's it's one of the, it's one of those things where it's just a name that kind of sticks with you. And as, as a Prince fan, you know, you just have to say Susanna, and everyone knows who you're talking about. Um, but yeah, Screams of Passion was released as the lead single from the album uh, about uh, you know like a, a month before the uh, the album came out. Um, it was edited down to three ten. There was then an extended version of six, which was six minutes forty five, which of course you know was. Uh, something that Prince did quite frequently with songs, you know, there would always be like an extended version and a, a kind of edited version. Uh, obviously, the you know the version that everyone's familiar with is is uh, is five twenty six. Uh, the version that has the video where the band are on the beach in their pajamas. Yeah, um, I think yeah, <laughs> with a with a, a string orchestra that's just kind of to one side. It's uh, it's a really weird video. Yeah, uh, you, but I still kind of really enjoy it. Yeah, you have um Eric Leeds playing the the bass on that. Like, I think miming a bass because there were no horns in that song. Yeah, but they still want him in the yeah. video, so he's, he's playing the bass for it. <laughs> so that was always yeah. um, a cool little thing that I remember about that video. Yeah, it's, and, uh, you know, this this song was then reused later on the soundtrack for Girl 6, along with, you know, a number of other songs. 
Um, but I, I, you know, I think obviously if you, the weirdest thing is, you know, like if you were a Prince fan, it was still very hard to get hold of, uh, you know, anything by the family. You know, I remember going to record fairs in, you know, the kind of uh, early nineties and stuff and seeing, you know, everyone had a, a copy of the black album, which was, you know, variously 20 quid, 40 quid, 50 quid, 60 quid, like various people claiming, you know, to have first pressings that they put on a wall and say, this is a hundred quid. Um, <laughs> And then you also had, you know, the family. I remember seeing like the vinyl of the album and it it was always, it was just as pricey, you know, this was like an official release of an album and it was as pricey as like these bootlegs. It was, you know, regularly I would see it, you know, sold for like 30 pounds. Um, and so it's, it's kind of interesting because, you know, this is, this is one of the first times where Prince did like a full side project. Um, you know, he'd obviously done, uh, you know, Vanity Six, later Apollonia Six, uh, but they'd had the exposure of being in Purple Rain, um, you know, and the time, you know, had been a you know, fairly successful, you know, R&B group until even even with Purple Rain. I think Purple Rain just helped their profile, basically. Yeah, you know, they'd had a few hits before that. Yeah, they were top of um, the R&B charts, getting like consistent top 10 on the R&B charts um, at yeah. that time. So they were effectively Prince's like most successful side project. Um, and then this, you know, is was basically a group that was created um, so that Susanna could have her own project. And, um, you know, uh, you know, it also gave, you know, David, uh, David Rifkin, also known as uh, David Z, uh, the opportunity to do some producing. Obviously, he I think he was the brother of Bobby Z, the uh, the drummer for the revolution, um, you know, and I mean, Susanna and St. Paul were credited as the writers, <laughs> uh, but obviously it was all Prince. Uh, and there's there's a number of if you go on YouTube, you can find like the rehearsal stuff that Prince would do with this song. Uh, there's a great like sound check he does with a revolution oh, where he's basically calling out the parts of the song. Yeah, he's and it's kind out of the amazing. Chords. Yeah, that's beautiful. I that that I love. Um, there's a couple out there where Prince is like teaching his um, the revolution or whatever band it is in like a sound check. And it really just goes to show how great of a band leader he was, and um, yeah, it was just you can, an immense. You can talent. hear him say to you can hear him say to Bram Mark, uh, you know, bring the bring the bass in, and he, he t like sings the bass line, and then Bram Mark starts playing it, and then he kind of tells the chords to uh, uh, to I think Doctor Fink. He's like, play these chords, and he's like, you, you know, you have to hold them down, you know, you have to hold it down so it's, you know, like to get more out of it. And he's like, kind of give, he's just giving all these little instructions, and it's kind of amazing that, like, the song comes together, and then Prince is just kind of like singing the lyrics, not really kind of giving it a proper vocal performance, but he's, you know, he's in key, and he's just kind of like giving the main vocal guide, basically, that is the kind of, is the kind of thing that you hear on, like, the, you can also get, like, the demo version of it. Uh, where he's doing the same, where it's basically the exact same as the family's version, but just with Prince's vocal kind of doubling up the two kind of lead uh, voices. Um, and, you know, I, I, I mean, like it was a huge failure, you know, <laughs> the fact, the fact, the fact that, uh, you know, the fact that the kind of nobody heard of the family until after, you know, nothing compares to you was like a huge hit. Um, you know, this song, um, interestingly, you know, the, the single version of this got to number 63 on the Hot 100, which is not a bad performance for like a Prince side project. Um, and it got to number nine on the Billboard Black chart, which I, I don't know, kind of considering, you know, yeah. the, the two kind of people fronting the song feels a little wrong. Um, and number 10 on the Hot Dance slash Disco Club play chart, which is, I guess, what the 
Um, and it's kind of interesting because throughout this podcast, we've gone from Prince kind of getting hits on the disco chart to the disco play chart to the dance chart to yeah. the dance. Like that, that one chart from Billboard has had a number of different names. Uh, but yeah, so it did okay on that. But, you know, I mean, it had like a seven minute extended version. And a lot of these songs that had the extended versions tended to do okay on like the club charts. Yeah. Um, but it, it was, you know, the album itself was like a flop. Um, you know, it, it like barely sold, uh, you know, it did, it did okay. I guess it got to, it got to number 62 on the, you know, the pop album charts Yeah. uh, and number 17 on the black album charts, which I guess was still a thing in 1985. Uh, but it didn't chart on the main, you know, um, billboard, uh, you know, hot 100 and none of the singles from this album charted either. And generally, it was seen as like a failure. Yeah, and um, kind and, of um, a reason would be for that was kind of just the implosion of the group almost just as fast as it started. It kind of imploded pretty fast. I think they um they they performed like one live show as as the family like ever, and um, it was just a lack of promotion. The band by the time this was out, the band was already really falling apart. So um, it. It, it it was destined for a failure. <laughs> <laughs> they played a gig at First Avenue on the thirteenth of August, nineteen eighty five, to kind of promote the release of the album. Um, and yeah, like you say, by the time you get to nineteen eighty six, uh, you know, Jellybean Johnson was gone. Jerome Benton and Maiko were in France with Prince, uh, and you know, Susanna was. I I think Susanna was actually in France with Prince, but she wasn't there to you know. Um, I think she appears in one scene of Under the Cherry Moon, just kind of like in the background as an extra. Uh, but yeah, it was mostly the disagreements between St. Paul and Prince, which was the the main kind of sticking point for the group. Um, you know, obviously, uh, Paul Joseph Peterson, to give him his proper name, uh, like he saw himself as the leader of this group and obviously wanted a more active role. You know, he was getting credited as the writer of all these songs. And yet, you know, he basically wasn't. And I can kind of understand his point of view, you know, like this group's put together and then effectively it's just a vanity project for Prince's girlfriend. And, you know, he is kind of out of everybody in the group. He's the one kind of left out in the cold by the time this thing falls apart. Um, And then, you know, he had a, uh, you know, a kind of solo career. Uh, And then later on, he reunited with the other members and they they go by the name F Deluxe for some reason. Um, yeah, I guess for legal reasons, but uh, yeah. So you know, I, let's put it like this: if F Deluxe were to ever do a tour of you know in this country, um, you know, and they were close enough for me to go see them, I would love to see them, you know, alive. I yeah. would love to, you know, I'd love to see them playing together because I like, you know, I like a lot of the songs on this on this album. Yeah, um, um, I was about to comment that um, even though a lot of times Prince is like the main or only person playing the actual instruments on the album, it seems that with the time. And with um, the family, it's kind of like proven by their like live shows that they he hired very competent musicians, very talented um, performers and musicians to be in these groups, even though their um, their abilities weren't on the actual record. And you can hear that with the F Deluxe album and the original um, Seven album, and just the live performances that they were talented individuals. They did. They weren't um, just people Prince stuck in a group because they were like his friends. They were actually like pretty talented, despite just not playing on the record because of Prince just doing the Prince thing. Yeah, I I think I think the thing is obviously you know the level of control that that Prince you know had. 
um, you know, particularly over the family, you know, something like that, or, you know, Vanity 6, Apollonia 6, uh, you know, later on, stuff like Millennia or, you know, Carmen Electra, like that level of control just meant that basically, you know, the, the stuff that came out was of a high standard because it was mostly prints. Uh, but the the groups themselves no, kind of never really got a chance to shine because, you know, they were effectively being used as puppets for, you know, Prince. <laughs> and, so, and so he and he was reluctant to kind of give that control away. It's interesting to kind of contrast that with, with you know, like Third Eye Girl, who clearly had a lot of input into what they were doing and who were, you know, uh, a lot more integral to the actual sound of the group. And, you know, whereas here it's just, you know, Prince, uh, you know, a Lindrum machine and a bunch of keyboards, and then everybody else kind of, you know, comes in later on. Uh, interestingly, uh, you know, uh, you know, aside from like the main li- the lineup that we've talked about, um, you know, you also had contributions from you know Wally Safford and Greg Brooks on the album, who you know obviously would also be part of the 1987-88 touring band, uh, and then also Jonathan Melvin, who uh, you know he was he was you know he contributed some keyboard stuff to the family. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, who was the brother of uh, Wendy and Susanna, and he passed away in 1996. And uh, I'm trying to remember the song no. of Emancipation, which is the about love him. we make, if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah, so with the, you know, put down the needle, put down the spoon. Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously later on, Prince wrote, actually wrote a song about him. Um, so, you know, a, a kind of obviously a lot of connections to the Melvin family, you know, through, you know, the various groups that Prince had. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, the funny thing for me is I became aware of St. Paul Peterson um, in a completely different way. Uh, the first ever album that I bought, I mean, the first out, al- the first two albums that I, I had, uh, you know, for my uh, stereo that I got in Christmas 1991 uh, was Rhythm of the Saints by Paul Simon, uh, who I saw live last year in London um, and Diamonds and Pearls. You know, those were the two albums that I got on cassette. Uh, but I had personally purchased my own cassette the year before, the first ever album I owned, which was the soundtrack to the 1990 film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, and on that on that album, there is a song by Paul Peterson um, called Every Heart Has a Home. And I kind of I know every single word of it because I listened to that album nonstop for about six months because it was literally the only album I owned. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't know. That's how I became aware of him. And then later on, when you know, I became a bigger Prince fan, and I started reading stuff about the family, I was like, where do I recognize the name Saint Paul Peterson? Uh, obviously, he was given the name Saint Paul by Prince because Minneapolis and Saint Paul, and uh, you know, he's called Paul, so that's obviously where Prince's mind went. Uh, but he still uses the name Saint Paul Peterson now. So uh, you know, as with other people who were renamed by Prince, they 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 keep those names. You know, Carmen Electra is still Carmen Electra. She never reverted to using her real name. So, uh, but let's talk about this song because you know, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, let's let's play like let's go straight up front and say five out of five. Yeah, love this song five so. out of five for me too. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, my favorite song on that album. It yeah, a lot of just really cool parts. Um, part of part of me wishes that Prince kept the song for himself because I've heard his versions of it and they're really good. But I also love yeah. the back and forth between um, the back and forth and the um, singing together of Susanna and St. Paul on this song um, gives a really cool of uh, the both. They're like they both kind of co-lead vocals kind of thing where. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a really cool dynamic that um, was shown on this song. Yeah, I think I think the interesting thing as well is like, you know, there's only uh there's only like what two verses maybe three verses 
Um, and then, then there's kind of like the, the, the kind of, not really a chorus, but just the, the, re the repetition of the words, the screams of passion. Um, you know, just kind of repeated the screams, the screams of passion. The sc like that's kind of like the <laughs> that's kind of like the hook of the song. Uh, but in the kind of three verses, there is like like you say the trade off between um, you know Saint Paul will sing a couple of lines and then um, you know Susanna will answer and then they'll sing a couple of lines together. Um, you know, I I just love the kind of like the the the, the, the I don't know like the the language that's being used is is kind of i don't know it's a, it is a little bit kind of flowery but it's something that i wouldn't expect to hear on like a prince album like i can't imagine what album if prince had kept this song this album would have fit with because i don't think it would have fitted with around the world in the day uh, which was obviously you know the album that he was doing at the time it definitely would have fitted on parade or you know sign the times maybe love sexy with the string arrangements there's a lot of string stuff on love sexy maybe it would have fit but again it like it feels so completely different from what prince was doing at the time uh, but obviously, it still sounds like Prince. Um, but it, I don't know. It, it doesn't really. Fit, it, I, if, I feel like if Prince had kept this for himself, he put. It would have been one or two things. He would have put it as a B side to something that came off, um, you know, from uh, Parade, or he would have kept it for twenty years and then re-recorded it from the ground up, and it would have been a completely different song. <laughs> yep. Like it feels like those were the the two different directions he would have kind of took it in. Um, so, you know, but as it is, you know, this kind of, there's a gentle autumn breeze that blows whenever we are lying, lying in my bed. I just, you know, I, I also, I like the use of autumn in this. I mean, you know, <laughs> as a Brit, that's what I'm used to hearing. I guess yeah, fall, fall wouldn't fit there. <laughs> yeah. I guess, I guess it's too short. No, uh, and an interesting, in <laughs> no. And also, you know, uh, you know, interesting in fact, uh, the British actually referred to autumn as fall way before Americans did. We just stopped doing it at a certain point. <laughs> Uh, so it's not an Americanism, it's actually a Britishism that kind of got lost. Uh, but yeah, you know, the moon appears and disappears, you look at me, my clothes I quickly, I quickly shed. I, uh, I don't know, I just love the kind of shed and bed. Like, those are hard rhymes, but the way that they're sold in the song, it makes it sound slightly more romantic. Uh, and also I like the kind of the hesitation of, you know, I quickly shed. Um, you know, the curtain dance and minuet, autumn music plays, uh, sorry, autumn plays the music. Uh, you know, leaves are falling, velvet splash, only you and I can understand. Like, I, I don't know, it's just, like, it's weird that Prince recorded this by himself because it is so, so like, you know, so effective as a duet. Uh, like, the, the sentiment that's being expressed is clearly between two people who are close. Um, and I don't know, I get, I think, I think there's a certain level of irony as well that, you know, Prince gave this song to his girlfriend and effectively, you know, like, one of his backup keyboardists. Like, <laughs> like for them to sing to each other like again this would have made like i feel like this makes sense with prince and Susanna singing this to each other uh but it's kind of weird when saint paul's doing it but then at the same time you know that's i guess how you you know how most people have always heard the song so i guess that's how we're used to hearing it um you know and i love the contrast as well where we have this you know uh like the you know the autumn breeze and the moon and all that kind of stuff in the first verse and then in the second verse we get you know the sunlight draws a picture through the silky lace that hangs above your hangs above your door um so like we've we've had like the moon and now we get in the sunlight and like i don't know i just i kind of like when prince does this when he'll he'll take like a theme you know and you know kind of use you know different kind of um versions or something you know like there's, there's sometimes where he talks about a morning and then an afternoon and then a night within a song and i like that he's kind of doing that here um although in the final verse he talks about you know a volcano and i don't know it feels like he's taking things in a slightly different direction uh but yeah i don't know you know and but i mean i i guess like kind of 
the most kind of explicit thing is in this is like a picture that is waving that it seems to be with your every thrust. You make me beg for more. Like, again, this is Prince's girlfriend <laughs> singing to a keyboard player from one of his bands. Like, you know, the sin- the sentiment there. But yeah, but I guess the, t- the song is called The Screams of Passion. And this is kind of in the second verse, you know, we go from the kind of the thrust to, you know, a Robin sings a masterpiece that lives and dies unheard for screams of passion. That's how loud they are. You know, you can't you can't hear the Robin singing its masterpiece. And again, the Robin, you know, that's a that's a that's a bird that's British as well. So (laughs) I I don't know what's going on with Prince in this song, but he seems to be kind of throwing out some some nice little British things for me. Uh, But yeah, and he again, he talks about, you know, the curtains dance and autumn plays on. You know, two in love on and on the screams of passion. Um, you know, I don't know. I just, I kind of, I like, I like when Prince kind of does this, this kind of like this, you know, kind of the, both the metaphorical story. You know, he talks about you know back and forth the raging seas of lust, uh, but then he also kind of gets literal with the screams of passion. <laughs> like yeah. this is how loud, how loud they are, and you know, hold me now, baby, tell me that you love me, or is it passion? You know, like. I don't know. And then the rest of the song is mostly the kind of the repetition of the screams of passion with, you know, some nice string work. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just kind of, I like the the kind of, it's a simple story about two people that are, you know, uh, in love. Um, and, uh, you know, just the fact that it's, the fact that it's called, you know, the, the screams of passion. Uh, I, I I love that it's kind of, that's about as 85 prints as you can get is like Prince yeah, calling a song the screams of passion. passion. Yeah, it's just such a great title. Um, this song always kind of feels like the kind of the inverse of "You Got the Look to Me," almost just kind of the way the um, the vocal lines trade off. And um, but they're both just such I feel like heavy. You can feel like kind of the um, emotions in both um, those songs, the lyrics, and the um, just deliveries of them are just so cool and this is just one of my favorite like Prince side project songs. There's so many just parts of the song I love to the scream arrangements, the whole just breakdown at the end of them going back and yeah. forth, the like hush baby thing and um, <laughs> all that. It, I think it leads to a very solid song. Yeah. And there is one, I guess there's one kind of little bit of controversy, which is, which is around the line in the first verse, uh, leaves are falling velvet splash. Uh, which is how it was written in the uh, in the the kind of the the lyrics that were supplied with the album, um, but apparently the line that is actually sung by Saint Paul Peterson is "Vulva Splash," <laughs> and uh, and and in the in the version where Prince does like the sound check, you can hear that's the line that Prince sings. Yeah, as well. that's a um, that's a 1980s Prince thing right there, seeing something yeah. and printing out a different thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i guess it kind of it kind of works with the same thing in erotic city where it's you yeah. know funk so pretty you and me like it, it just depends on what you think you're hearing as to what's being delivered but apparently you know paul peterson did confirm that he didn't sing what was on the lyric sheet uh but yeah i don't know like we said five out of five such a great song um you know kind of one of the like kind of peak like you know this is Prince at his at a time where he's just literally kind of you know he's about to do like two Madhouse albums. Oh yeah, and you know Jill Jones, and he, he's already done stuff with Sheila Ree, and he's on just you know, a he's creative pretty... high at this point. It felt like everything yeah, he was doing was exceptional, and they were all different. It wasn't like he was doing the same thing continuously 
and they were all like pretty good. It was like everything he was doing was really, really good, and they were all very distinct from one another. Yeah, but just like putting so much stuff out. Uh, you know, he personally kind of didn't, I mean, you know, he didn't really play this song live. Uh, like we say, the family basically, you know, by the time they performed anything as a group, they'd kind of split up. Uh, obviously, as after looks, you know, they've played this song a lot, um, you know, and they did kind of get together. Um, I can't, I think it was like early, was it like 2011? I was thinking it was after 2011. Looks? Yeah, for some reason, 2011 is in my head. Um, you know, so... They've got back together and they have toured in the same way that, you you know, the New Power Generation and Revolution and the time have all kind of got back together and toured since Prince's death as well. Um, but, yeah, just like I, I feel like, you know, the family as an album, I think, you know, there's a couple of good songs on there. But there's also, you know, I mean, you know, people have disagreements over uh, nothing compares to you and stuff. Um, you know, because it's obviously a very different version to the, the more famous version. Um, but I think, you know, there's a couple of good songs on there. Um, you know, it's interesting because this is kind of around the time that Prince did the dance electric and God. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, it's like, like kind of the, his time, uh, you know, flying cloud and the, the Kyo home trail, such kind of productive times, even before he got Paisley Park, you know, he was still, you know, throwing out side projects left right and center you know it's not like paisley park was him suddenly getting his own studio and doing tons of stuff he'd been doing it for years um you know and this album for people you know now you can obviously find it a lot easier uh, but i would say it's certainly worth a listen there's a few good songs on there uh, yeah. but this is probably you know there's a reason why this was chosen as the first single yeah um, you know definitely. people at warner brothers you know they kind of knew what they were doing when it came to picking singles <laughs> and so you know they kind of did pick the best song to be the single um, it's also worth taking a look at some of you know paul peterson's other stuff you know he's a good vocalist um you know he, i would say he obviously his range is a bit more limited than prince but he's still got a really nice voice and you know i knew about him you know about a year before i even became a prince fan so yeah. <laughs> so i would certainly listen to some of his stuff i mean it kind of has like um i don't know like a kind of 70s kind of like ballad feel like a lot of the stuff that he did uh, but he's got a, he's got a nice voice and uh, you know I, I, do, I don't think like you know like obviously there's always that thing of Prince does the guide vocal and then people sing over the top and I don't think he does a disservice to the guide vocal like you know Prince I, I guess he put like a little bit of performance into it but he didn't really kind of put as much as as uh, you know as as Paul and uh, and Susanna yeah. did so that I feel like they kind of really enhanced like the guide vocal version yeah um, you know and you know so you know if you can if i would say listen yeah. to anything by the family those and first three tracks from the family i think are all phenomenal high fashion mutiny the screams of passion i i visit those three a lot probably the most from the album i and yeah. um mutiny he um regularly performs live up he he did it in like the 2010s like on i think um when Arsenio Hall had a comeback show, I think when he when he came back on TV, I'm pretty sure he performed "Mutiny" there. That's a song that kind of yeah. stayed on Prince's radar since the family, and he played it live at the time. I mean, live in '86, and kind of brought it up here and there for the rest. That that and nothing compares to you are probably the songs with the biggest longevity from this album. But I would say "The Screams of Passion" was my personal peak for this album. Well, uh, I feel like we said about as much as we can about the screens of passion, so let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Alec? Yes. AlecRandon98 is my Twitter handle. I love talking about Prince. Thank you for letting me talk about the family. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by Track or on Twitter at Prince Podcast, or you could email us, not sure why you would, at PrinceTrackByTrack at gmail.com. Thanks once more for being a guest here, Alec. Yeah, you're very welcome. And otherwise, goodbye. Goodbye.
don't do that.